Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. I am Josh Roop. With me, my co-captain, as always, Scott Larson. And Scott, uh, who's who are we talking about this week with our sponsors? Uh, well, we're uh, we're talking about flipping out pinball. And guess what? I just received in a box uh, last week that I have not been able to unbox. I don't know. What did you receive? That's right. I got my God. No, I no. Okay, I got my Beatles. <laughs> so I, I I got my Beatles. Uh, gold finally and uh looking forward to bring that down x-men left the building uh so i i sold that and now i have room for beetles so i'm excited about that i contacted uh, zach and nicole at flipping out pinball and they were able to hook me up with that so if you have your pinball desires go ahead and contact them they'll be able to find either your pinball machine or your accessories or if you have a used machine you're trying to get a hold of go ahead and get and let them know and they'll see what they can do definitely and if you need a godzilla but, uh, you, you mean like the uh, the Sega Godzilla, right? The one with right. The big if you need a Sega Godzilla, yeah, Zach will probably even try to help you out with that. But if you want the new Stern Godzilla, give them a call as well. And speaking of Godzilla, who do we have on Scott? Uh, we have uh, a legend in his own time. This is uh, Keith Elwin. So Keith is not only the world's best pinball player, but rapidly becoming the world's most respected pinball designer. And he has sacrificed his Sunday to come and talk with us. How you doing, Keith? Good. And also, I think we surpassed the Godzilla uh, numbers in three days. <laughs> you mean the the, uh, <laughs> the, the Sega, Sega one? one? Yeah. Oh, oh, geez that that game was uh, it. It was interesting, but not really awesomely fun. So, yeah, it, it's amazing how short some of the runs were back then. It's like. Imagine doing uh, doing a game on the line for three days, and then that's your entire run. That's yeah, that must have been pretty depressing. Well, just like we, we had Joe Cam account on a month or two ago, and he's talking about how they had to do Back to the Future in like six weeks or something like that, from start to finish. It was it it doesn't show at all. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> on just something completely different now. <laughs> okay, so now here's uh, so we. I have two of your games, and I actually have Iron Maiden still pending, uh, so I will eventually have all four of your games. Um, one, kind of tell me about the the development of of Godzilla, and also I kind of want to go through each of your games and say what are the take-home messages you learned from each of them, because I'm sure there's something, it's like building a house. Every time you build it, you're like, you know what, I did it this way, but I think I would have done something differently next time. So uh, let's let's go through this um the current game godzilla and what was your thought process when you started designing it and how did you approach that i knew i wanted to do a a game with heavy heavy mechanical elements um i wanted to have a building and a bridge i wasn't exactly sure what they were going to do um so i concepted many different designs of buildings but none of them were very interesting and so i actually had this idea of a multi-level diverter uh that i just been kicking around so i thought oh maybe i can use you know incorporate a building in this so i sketched something up handed it to my engineer and harrison and he was super excited about it and uh kind of did like this foam core mock-up and then uh, we 3d printed something uh, with these different floors and we're like hey this actually works pretty good and but he was like i think we can go another story higher and have a ball lock on the roof and so we tried that we mocked that up and it was practically scraping the glass when the balls were in it um so we made a few tweaks modifications um Cause that's a really tall mech and uh, we found it, figured out exactly where to fit it on the play field. So it doesn't hit anything in the bottom of the cabinet or the glass and uh, the rest is history. Uh, nice. As far as the bridge uh, early in the process uh, development, George gave me this Godzilla toy kit that had this uh, little collapsing bridge on it. And I was like, Oh, this is cool and simple. So uh, I just kind of, design something based on this little toy that you destroy and uh, just put it in the game. And uh, actually it turned out pretty cool because we can animate when you hit it, you can animate it and shake it. And uh, it's actually a pretty little interesting bridge. 
so okay, so I, I want to go through more. You have talked with us before about um, enjoying games and the thing the things that make them different are uh, diverters. So when you have uh, states of change, so the ball path is not necessarily the same at every portion of the game. And I counted up three three major elements of that. Uh, you already bought, brought up the building, but you also brought up the bridge. And you also have that mini turntable in the uh, bottom right with Mechano Godzilla. And, and so I, you also have three flippers in this game. So how many, how many paths are in this game? I mean, t- typically with a fan layout, it's like nine, nine paths or something. But I, I think that you, ha- you uh, kind of broke the bank on being able to have the ball go different ways. <laughs> the magnet actually uh, acts as a diverter too. Uh, it can go straight through or it can divert it to the upper flipper. Um, yeah, uh, that's, I love uh, state changing shots. So <laughs> uh, I know George loves it too. So that's, it's always an easy sell when you're up. Uh, we have to, you know, present the game and what our ideas are for the game. Uh, if whatever mech we have does something like that, then the, the, the brass is usually pretty sold on them. Looking at Godzilla, especially Showa era Godzilla, it's hard to find these movies. So do you walk into the billing department with a big old receipt for like a couple hundred bucks, finding like the collection of these movies? And then there's like a theater there at Stern and you guys just get the team together and sit down and watch nothing but Godzilla movies with notepads. Like, how does this work when you're doing research for this? <laughs> well, funny story because uh, Jody, when Jody got the license, he bought uh, the whole box set. And originally, I was supposed to do this game before Avengers, and so I, I sat through, watched all the movies, you know, took some notes, and then I got flip flop with Avengers, and then so I worked on Avengers for uh, it was like almost a year. And then, okay, now it's back to Godzilla and I'd kind of forgotten everything. So I basically had to rewatch the entire series again um, to, you know, try to get a, you know, focus on what I was doing. Uh, So, yeah, I probably, you know, I've watched each movie probably four or five times uh, English. And uh, actually some of them in the the box set were dubbed in English. I'd say about 50, 50 others were just the straight Japanese version. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I watched those a ton and it's like, I don't even remember watching these as a kid, really. I just remember knowing who Godzilla was. And, um, yeah, I obviously I saw a couple when I was a kid, but I haven't watched one in many, many years. And I was like, wow, these are so campy. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so, uh, so, but my whole approach to the game was just like, well, I am just going to make something fun. Um, yes. I was a little worried that the purists would uh, not like the classic rock um, soundtrack that I wanted to do. Um, but I'd already done two orchestral games in a row. I didn't want to do a third. And I was like, I, I just want this to be like, you're watching a music video. Guys in rubber suits are fighting. Let's just have some fun with this. It says some rock music and break away from you know the pure Toho um Showa era movies a bit with jazz and you know it's like you know i just i'm not a huge fan of jazz in pinball so uh, i made that call early and i was a little nervous when when the game debuted what people would think about the uh the music but everyone seems to like it so uh, i think it was the right call yeah it, it really turned out well and uh when you're sitting there watching those movies did you have to make a decision because like you said, there's the Japanese style. And then when they brought them over to America, they Americanized and did, they took like the original Godzilla and added characters to flesh out a different storyline that they thought Americans would love more. And the, you know, cause this movie was from the fifties. And so if you look, a lot of those movies, those Godzilla movies have different storylines, even though they're the same movie. Um, so did you have to kind of pick and choose or was it just because you're using men fighting in rubber suits? It just kind of, those storylines didn't really matter at that point. Exactly. We couldn't use any big name actors. So that, you know, anything that was changed or added didn't really affect uh, what I was doing or, you know, basically 90% of the footage is guys in rubber suits fighting. Uh, Obviously (laughs) if you watch the whole series, like I did, you'll notice that 
almost 10, 15 minutes of each movie is just recycled footage of, you know, the toy tanks, the jets. Uh, I remember saw this egregious error where uh, Megalon was fighting jets and he was swatting them out of the air. But if you look closer, you can tell it was Gigan's arms that were doing it. So it was, <laughs> they, they just get shamelessly recycled so much footage that uh, it was just like, oh, this is pretty funny. <laughs> that is awesome. At, at, at any point, did uh, the Stern employees get uh, dressed up in rubber suits and there's a uh, an Easter egg in there for you guys fighting <laughs> in rubber suits? Please tell me yes. Oh, no, we, we had talked about uh, making our own like uh, civilians fleeing scenes of, you know, Stern employees running out of the building. But uh, since there's COVID, that, that was, became impossible to do. So, yeah, we had to scrap that. <laughs> That would have been awesome. I know that you have your little Easter eggs of where you're in e- at in each game, but that would have been that would have been priceless. You and Gary Stern running away from Godzilla, you know. <laughs> Either that or as Gary is Godzilla, I'd love to see that. That's not me doing that. That's that's our guy Deny, our uh, our animators. He likes putting okay. goats and me hiding them inside the games. <laughs> I I do love the soundtrack though. Um, the game that I'm playing the most. Uh, Right now, it's one of my newer games is Deadpool, and I love the humor and the campiness of that game. And so I love that you brought that type of feeling toward Godzilla, and it it makes it just fun. Like, like you said, it's it's not taking itself too seriously because it's kind of hard to take yourself seriously when you're watching 1950s uh, special effects. I mean, they are pretty bad. Um, but yeah, I, I think you made the right call on the soundtrack. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen the movies. I forgot how campy they were because, you know, we've been what we see in America is totally different. We're seeing these dark, gritty, you know, action movies, whereas these were just like, you know, after the first couple, I thought that the first movie was great. And then uh, after that, you can tell they just slowly started tailoring towards kids. And uh, that's when the campiness kind of went off the charts. So that's yeah, I was like, all right. Yeah, this, we're just going to we're just going to have fun with this. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that the. um the double kick was it the drop kick the sliding along the tail made it in that's that's a classic <laughs> meme love it mm-hmm. well I I also love the little kid Godzilla when he's dancing with the with daddy Godzilla I, I don't even know like I haven't seen the the movies uh all the way like these were on like Saturday afternoon so usually when I was supposed to be turning off the TV and cleaning my room or something like that that's when I would find these so yeah the, the son of Godzilla um, we actually have a whole sequence of videos that play, uh, hasn't been released yet, but, uh, it will be there soon where every time the, the ball drains, you get a different video from the sequence where he's getting bullied. Uh, it's, it's just something different to try. He's like, Hey, we got all this footage of Manila that I don't know what to do with. So let's, let's just have a, a storytelling through ball saves. Nice. Well, and remind me again, you guys did, there's 10 or 13 Showa era films, if I can remember correctly. How many of those, which ones did you leave out? Because it seemed like you, you had more the, more in there than what you left out. Uh, we couldn't use Hedera, um, Godzilla Raids again, and Destroy All Monsters. Gotcha. I, I guess those rights don't currently belong to Toho, but and so we couldn't use those. Uh, okay. But everything else was fair game. Uh, what about Kong? Godzilla versus Kong. Oh yeah, no Kong. We couldn't use Kong either, but okay. man, that movie so bad. No loss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the the new one or the old one? Because I I watched one. the new one when I was flying over to Hawaii, and that was, and uh, I'm not sure if the ambient yeah. kicked in at that point, but that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of the uh, the inner Earth Sun. I. <laughs> I, hey, I just thought it was interesting, but uh, I, I, I may have uh, I may have had a less a critical eye considering I saw it probably at 3 a.m. So it's one of those <laughs> movies that's better at 3 a.m. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, uh, you <laughs> yeah. also put I mean, you put the UFO bumper down at the bottom. So looking at the different design things. So um, usually the pop bumpers are kind of like time. It, it's they usually don't contribute much to the game as opposed to giving the player a feeling like, Oh, I'm actually having more ball time, even though it's just a time waster. Uh, yours is, is, uh, dangerous down below. Uh, what was your thought process on putting a single one down low? Uh, just to be different. Um, originally started off as two, 
with no scoop. Uh, but there was just so little action that I was like, I, I need a scoop. The second pop doesn't really do anything. But this bottom pop, I love how it interacts with the uh, slingshots. Um, there's actually a little shot that when you shoot between the pop and the scoop, there's a switch there. And what that does, it lights saucer attack. And so then you actually have to shoot the pop to uh, get the saucer attack award. And that eventually leads to a, a mini wizard mode. So I, I try to incorporate it in much into the design as I could. Um, it's used on a, in a couple modes. You have to shoot it. So it's not just there to create chaos. You actually need to shoot it sometimes. So with the extra time that you had with this game, do you feel like it actually played to your advantage to help with Godzilla? Did did you like go back and rehash some stuff because of uh, the switch schedule with Avengers? Uh, it didn't really create more time uh, other than I knew I was working on it uh, longer. Sometimes we don't know what we're working on until uh, a couple of weeks before our current game goes out. But I, I knew what I was working on for a few years. Uh, so that did help where, you know, I would, you know, ideas, theme-wise, rule-wise, it helped in that minor, but I didn't actually start physically laying it out, the design, until uh, a couple of weeks before Avengers was uh, um, announced. And then design was pretty much done you know, a month after that. Now, this is the first game you've actually put a scoop in. Um, I, you, you've talked about scoops not being a huge fan because it stops the action, but you did put one in on this one. So what's the thought process on that? Uh, I needed a place to stop the ball so you can select your battles. Um, there's also a, uh, an element of the game called Godzilla power up, which uh, isn't in yet, but it will be, uh, which, you need the scoop for. So it just, it just came down to, I need a place that I can guarantee to stop the ball. Uh, the only other place where the ball stops is on the magnet, which isn't guaranteed to stop the ball. So um, scoop was necessary in this case. And I didn't have room to do uh, like a shot in an up post. So begrudgingly, I, I put a scoop in, but I think it's fine. It's, it's far enough out of the way and you're not shooting at it all the time. So uh, I'll, I'll break my own rule there. Always an exception to the rule, but it looks great. Um, I, I've know I've seen that they've started landing at uh, different locations, and play, people are out playing the pros so far. And I've heard nothing but good reviews so far. Uh, people say it's fun. What, do you have to decide what you leave in on a pro versus a premium, or is that more of a the the higher ups decide on that? Uh, it's generally a combination. You when we pitch the game with all the the devices, we have to propose what comes out on a pro and then um it's up to uh up to management to like yes or no this needs to stay so it, it it's kind of the whole design team plus you know the stern management that um decides that whole process i mean if there's something that i really really want i can go to bat for it and fight for it but usually it's just kind of a, a joint agreement and, and I'm assuming typically that comes down to like you have a, a set budget. I mean, a, any game has a build of material and what you can do and what you can't do to, depending on how much. Um, now, you've been able to creatively, uh, I guess, uh, utilize a build of material to really feel like the game is super uh, packed. Um, wh what are some things in, in a game that you're like, well, that that would be expensive or that would be easy to be able to put in because it's cheaper. Uh, are there things that are, uh, you have to really debate on whether or not you put them in because of the cost of the material? Yeah. So right now with the, uh, obviously the COVID slash um, supply line stuff, the, the cost of everything is just all over the place right now. So, uh, I mean, we would go from, you know, right on budget to hundred dollars over to $50 over to $200 over back to, it was, it was just, this whole project was just crazy. And, and eventually it just got to the point where we can't, you know, we can't nail down a number on this. Let's just get what we think, um, get it to where we think it will be fun. Uh, not, not strip too much out of it on the pro, you know, the pro is fine. Um, we kind of have to ignore the numbers and just plow forward. We can't just keep constantly checking and looking. Um, but 
mostly the I can propose an idea and I can do some napkin drawings and CAD drawings, but it's it's usually up to the engineer to uh, actually get anything in budget. You know, so in this case, it's like Harrison, I want to have this you know this building that diverts all these different places and do this, and he's like, wow, that sounds super expensive. It's like okay, well let's let's build it and see how much it is, and then you'll take a look at it. Oh, you know, it's not as bad as I thought. And then uh, a lot of the costs in these things are just the metal work. You know, the more bends you have, the more that's going to cost. So it's basically myself and the, the engineer working to figure out how you know to do do it as uh, cheaply as possible, but still maintain what it needs to do. And it's just it's just a back and forth of the engineer. I've worked with Harrison so many times now that, you know, he basically knows what I'm looking for and he just goes ahead and does it. And he's like, Oh, I, Hey, I saved us five bucks by, you know, taking up this mounting point. It's like, Oh, great. You know, I don't even need to uh, bug him. Did uh, removing two of the pot bumpers really help too? Cause I mean, that's, that's coils and stuff. Um, they're such a common part that they actually, you know, don't save us that much. Uh, the price of coils has really shot up, uh, so it definitely helps us there. But for the rest of the assembly, uh, since they're used on every single game, obviously the costs on those uh, are a bit lower. But um, you know, every every dollar helps. Yeah. Well, and do you feel like the the pot bumper itself is kind of becoming not obsolete, but it's like Scott was saying er- earlier. It's either like in Avengers, it's there for pretty much the hits for Captain America, but it also does create an interesting shot. When you shoot through them, you you did that also on Jurassic Park because that was like your your amber shot for your chaos and whatnot. And on Iron Maiden, you're shooting through pops. But other than that, um, they don't really seem to interact with the ball except for to slow it down. So do you think we're starting to see a gravitation away from pop bumpers as we start to come up with these designs? Uh, maybe pop-upper nests. Uh, sure. Um, I Actually, I like pop bumpers, so I'm not... I don't think I would really consider doing a game without them. Uh, but I think that the requirement to have three pop bumpers with lanes above them, I think people are starting to you know, gravitate award- away from that. Um, just because it's, you know, pretty much every game from the eighties through, you know, the two thousands kind of has that same configuration somewhere. So it's nice to uh, break away from that a little bit, I think. But I, yeah. like I said, personally, I, I'm probably always going to want to have at least one, one pop bumper. Yeah. I think they create a, some chaos that's always invited into a pinball game, but because if you have too much certainty, it becomes boring. You know, you get, you get, uh, Stern's Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, yeah, here's the thing. If you have three pop bumpers, but only one place for the ball to exit, that's not creating chaos. It's like you said, Correct. it's just killing time. So, yeah. you know. Of all my games that do have multiple pop bumpers, I try to have multiple exits out of there. Um, Jurassic Park was kind of an exception because uh, I wanted to use that as a setup shot, but I intentionally did not put a spring gate in there uh, just to create that random chaos that sometimes it can come flying back through there. So you have to be on yep. your toes. Yeah. Oh, and it's such a satisfying shot when you get when it's when you're squeezing past with a smart missile and you get in between those that that newton ball and everything and you finally hit that shot it just feels so great every time you land it just, <laughs> oh. yeah that, that's like one of my favorite shots in pinball actually yeah, yeah. No, it, well it, it's good because you are threading that needle it's it's like indiana yeah, jones yeah, no. sliding under that uh sliding under the doors it's coming down and he reaches under and grabs his hat so yeah I, i've said it before i think every every game needs at least one hard shot otherwise it, it just kind of feels samey you don't get you don't get excited about hitting the left ramp on Jurassic, but you do get excited if you thread the needle and hit that that shot. Oh yeah, no on Jurassic, I still have a hard time hitting the right ramp for some reason. It is a mind block on me. So uh, <laughs> really? okay, so the wire form. I, I want to talk about your wire forms because you uh, you are known for having a lot of uh, creative wire forms and a lot of good use of them. Uh, when you're designing a wire form, I, there is an art to it in that. Y- it's you are simultaneously creating movement of the ball, which is fun to see, but you're also generating the speed of the ball too. Like you want to, to uh, 
calculate how much it's coming in. Do you do much uh, thoughts on that and on how much the speed is? For example, on Lord of the Rings, uh, there's the shot that comes down the wavy wire form, which uh, George obviously did to slow down the ball. Uh, how much of that goes into your wire forms? Yeah, for, I mean, Godzilla was 100% to slow the ball down because you can lower the building to the lock position from a ramp shot. And so we had to make sure that the building was all the way down by that time that ball returns to the flipper. So that's why they're they're kind of dancing around, crossing the play field. Uh, so, yeah, you're 100% correct. And um, uh, say on uh, Jurassic Park, it, it, that left ramp wire form kind of serpentines back to the left flipper. And it's the same thing. If, you know, to give you time to uh, kind of breathe and set up your next shot. Um, yeah, it's just I when I used to play pinball all the time in the uh, the nineties, that I think that was Sega and Data East's way to, hey, instead of some fancy mech on a game, we're going to have these really intricate wire forms. And so, if you play games like uh, Lethal Weapon, you know, there's nothing yes. on that game, but it's got that really cool double helix wire form on it, and you're like, oh, okay, this is cool. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's good. It's kind of take a page from that. It's fun. Um, I think for the longest time, you know, pinball, you know, during the, the cost cutting era, you, you shoot a left ramp, it would just hug the, hug the left side, return to the left uh, flipper and same with the right side. And it, it, I look at those ramps now and I was like, wow, those are boring. You know, we can do better than that. So uh, that's kind of where I got the inspiration to kind of channel back to what was done uh, early in the, the wireform ramp days. Well, and speaking of inspiration, this magna grab is insanely cool. Like watching this on the stream, how did you guys figure out? Because watching it, like it grabs the ball, but then it will actually shift to one side as it's swinging back and forth. So that way it can set up that shot for that upper flipper. How, who came up with this and, and what even what made you even think of it? <laughs> well, I came up with it. Um, originally, when I was... Uh, started on Avengers, I was thinking, okay, I got this Thor captive ball. I want to do something cool with it. And I experimented with putting a magnet in that, but uh, it didn't work that great. And it kept magnetizing the balls, the ball, you know, two balls would stick together. And then that was it. You had to pretty much tilt the game to get it off. So I kind of shelved that for Avengers. And then uh, once Avengers was out the door and we started, uh, full steam on Godzilla, Harrison and I uh, did some experimenting with some, uh, you know, non-magnetic covers that we can stick on the magnet core to prevent uh, the ball sticking to it. And we tried some few different materials and then we found this one little cap that goes over it and it, it'll grab the ball and it'll release, you know, 100% of the time right where it should uh, with no uh, residual magnetism. And so we, uh, yeah, we just kind of trial and error on that thing and we could bash it. Uh, it can fling the ball. It could grab the ball. So, uh, after, um, basically <laughs> we basically took two hot wires and, you know, one of us would shoot the ball and the other one would, you know, short the wires together to grab the ball. And we would, we would do that and say, like, Oh, this, this works great. And we didn't cause a fire or anything. So, um, <laughs> we just kept moving forward on that. And, uh, that's what you have. <laughs> I love that's the design process. We didn't cause a fire, so it's good. You got Rick Nagel standing in the, standing in the background with the fire extinguisher with you and Harrison Drake working with the wires, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was the same thing for the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. We stuck a magnet in his mouth, but there were no drivers to actually drive this magnet. So uh, one of us would shoot it and the other one would arc two wires together and just, oh, it catches. Okay, let go. All right, it catches. <laughs> let go. <laughs> because we're full driving the magnet, which you never do on the game. Uh, you, yeah. you know, you get initial quick pulse and in a quick uh, fire, then you pulse it. So it doesn't, um, melt the coil, but, uh, mm. so you have to be really careful that you, uh, how long you hold those wires together. So on the, uh, Godzilla multi-ball, you do, you did put the physical ball lock on the top. So you have the three balls coming out, but you have six balls in the game. So I mean, you could have put, uh, it's big enough. You could have put like uh, Jackie from Aerosmith or the, uh, you know, the arc on uh, Stern. And you could have put a whole bunch of balls up there. What's the theory behind limiting it to three? 
Uh, well, if you know the, the how Aerosmith works, if you have five balls in the toy chest and then you start elevator multi-ball, then you got it dumps all those balls out in the play field. Uh, I didn't really want that same situation. I wanted to be able to lock balls up there and then player two walks up. He can still get a three-ball multi-ball uh, and whatnot. So it, it just came down to not screwing up everything. Um, yeah, so player one locks five balls. Uh, player two, if they start a different multi-ball, well, guess where those balls are coming from? It, right. You can't kick out one or two. It has to kick all of them out. and that, that We'd face the same problem. We can't control how many balls it kicks out. It's all or nothing. Yeah. When do you, you is there like an add a ball in Godzilla multi-ball or do you have other things where you're using all six balls? I, is that, do you have six balls in there because of the physical ball lock, but you don't want to screw things up for other players? So the Godzilla multi-ball, there is an add a ball. You uh, bash the three shield targets, the shield opens, and then you shoot Mecha for an add a ball. Uh, you always have an add a ball available if you have the ally Anguirus. So anytime you're in multi-ball, you hit the action button, it will add a ball. Um, right now, yeah, mo right now, there's most you can get is five in play, but none of the, the wizard modes have been written yet. So th those will for sure use six balls. So my thought, I just thought of this while we've been sitting here, though. Um, we Last time we had you on, we were talking about Avengers and the uh, trophy system and how that was supposed to be kind of part of the online coming out. And now that we have online as connectivity came out two weeks before Godzilla and whatnot, um, is is that the reason the achievement system was in there? Because you said that Avengers was originally supposed to come out now and Godzilla before. So it was, I guess, it's a chicken and the egg situation. Was it connected supposed to come out last year along with Avengers? Or was it always supposed to come out now? And it just because Avengers got switched around, that's what happened. Uh, actually, I wasn't 100% sure, but I wanted to be ready. Uh Actually, yeah, I discussed it with Raymond, and he was fully on board for these little trophy system thing that we implemented on it. So, yeah, he's like, at the time we we were doing the rules, we weren't sure if uh, connected would be around, but we wanted to be ready. And it's like worst case scenario, if it's not, uh, we'll, we'll have our own, you know, dedicated little uh, trophy section in the game. Cool. I think Raymond just said he wanted the trophies because he knew he'd be able to get them all. Yeah. Yeah, he, he kept changing them and making them hard. Oh, I put in a trophy extra hard mode. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the plunge on this game. So th this plunge goes across the field. And uh, that has had mixed reviews on previous games. So you're you're risking plunging into danger by crossing the field on the plunge. So uh, what was the thought process on that one? I don't know. Live a little? <laughs> it's just... Uh... <laughs> We do have a, a multi-ball ball saver uh, implemented. So if you you really, you can't plunge an outlane or anything. So it, it's not as dangerous as it seems. Um, ball being out of control, yes. But you're not going to just plunge at one target and drain. It, it recognizes that and will give it back. So um, with modern games and software, it's not really, you know, a thing where someone's just going to plunge outlane three times and, wow, that was a ripoff and walk away. So, um so I was comfortable doing it. So I know you love your skill shots as, as evident on Jurassic Park and Avengers. How many skill shots do you have here on, on Godzilla? Um, as of launch, there are three and I believe there are three or four more coming. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to spoil them, but there are more okay. coming. Okay. Awesome. Well, and I love that one that yeah, goes behind the shots. flipper. That one behind the flipper kind of reminds me of a uh, Congo when you shoot into the outlane, even though it's not an outlane, but still. <laughs> it's kind of a mini uh, outlane yeah. up there. Yeah. 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 What, what made you decide to go with the, the, the floating flipper? Cause has this ever been done before where there's not a direct, uh, lane to a flipper? I mean, how did, was that a lot of trial and error trying to make sure that it came down to the flipper from the upper spot without it hopping and. And being kind of random. Yeah, yeah, that took me. That actually probably took me longer than anything else in the game was to angle that uh, ball guide, you know, right to that flipper and get it going in that uh, that loop. Um, it did take a lot of trial and error. It wasn't really uh, originally. My design was to have a shot that shot behind that upper flipper, and was grabbed by like a, a, a normal magnet, like a. Um, normal magnet core uh, 
and uh, we we experimented with that a bit. It, it was, you know, because the Balkans flying through there so quick, it, it didn't work the way I wanted it to. So I scrapped that idea, but I loved the shot after uh, playing it like that. So I kept that, and then we we uh, went back to the drawing board on the uh, the magnetic Newton ball, and it's like, oh, this fits perfectly right here. So um, after we we got that working, you know, pretty good. And that shot, I had just become in love with that shot of shooting it behind a flipper. And uh, a lot of times you can deflect it off, uh, off the magnet core and it goes to that right lane, uh, the, the Mecha Godzilla lane on the right. And so kind of a full around the world orbit. Uh, and the first time I did that, I was like, oh yeah, I'm still keeping this floating upper flipper. Cause it's just, oh, yeah. you know, it's like you said, something you don't see. Uh, I don't know if, it, I don't know if it's a first, but it's probably been a very long time if if it's been done ever. I'm like the only thing I could really think of would be Monopoly, but that was like that weird spinning flipper, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, games like uh, uh, I think Hot Doggin has a flipper built into the sling, but okay. uh, that you know, I don't think that really is aimed for anything. It's just for something for people to flip. But, yeah. So yeah. Dialing in the, uh, the the lane to the flipper took some time. All right. So how many modes are in this game? Let's say there's seven battles. It's four city modes. There's, uh, there's like two or three micro wizard modes. Too many wizard modes and another wizard mode. So there are probably... 12 to 14 when we're done, I'd say. Okay. Nice. And, and obviously nonlinear, you can kind of choose your own adventure and you don't have to hit all of them to, uh, to get to the end. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair right now. So we have cities upon release. They don't really do much, but, um, the idea of the cities is there's kind of similar to Jurassic park paddocks where you, you have objectives in each city. You want to destroy the power, destroy the bridge, destroy the, the tanks that are there and um, uh, defeat the monster that's raiding. Um, hasn't been fully implemented yet, but that, that's pretty much the idea of the cities. And then uh, you can get as far as you want in each city. And if you know, the further you get, the more points you get for the, the, the your planet X wizard mode. Uh, or you can just kind of blow through the cities, just, just defeat the monster that's there and move on and not worry about you know, knocking out the power or destroying the bridge. Um so yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff missing, uh, as it launched. So, uh, kind of when you play it now, some stuff may not make sense, but it will at the end. <laughs> so when you were making these games, was it kind of a combination because you were an operator for so long, you knew what worked and what didn't work in a, in a game? Did you like have a, a book of notes that you write this all down? Or is this all just kind of coming to you as you start making these games? I mean, the operator in me is more like what annoys me about, you know, being an operator. And a lot of that was, oh, hey, this rubber broke and it's under six different ramps. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, so I tried not to uh, <laughs> I tried not to have, you know, rubbers in, in inexplicably hard to get places. Um, so to combat that, I'll, I'll do like instead of two posts with a big rubber between them, I'll do just do multiple posts with a single rubber, which greatly reduces the chance of uh, that rubber breaking. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's basic gameplay. My operator days don't really affect that at all, but it's mostly just like, hey, I, I can't get to this screw to take this mech off. This is this is bad. So, you know, Harrison will put a, a hole in the plastic or something so you can get a screwdriver in there. It, it's more stuff like that, stuff that... 99.9% of the people will never notice. Gotcha. Except for the people that operate and appreciate it. Yes. Oh, yes. Man. Well, okay. Here's here's a good example. I saw uh, stuff online where it's, oh, this reminds me of the Doctor Who play field. That thing was a nightmare. It's like, yeah, you know why that was a nightmare? Because it had bundles of wires inside of it. This building, all the wires are on the outside uh, of the frames. Uh, so there's the wires aren't being stretched or moved. It's going to be fine. Okay, so um, this is your fourth game in. So what are the take-home messages that you have learned from each of your games? 
Oof, that's a tough one. You know, I haven't really thought about it. I know after Jurassic Park, I, I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to like to make the same game over and over again. So Jurassic Park, a lot of people said, wow, this thing is like hard to shoot. So I was like, oh, okay. So I made Avengers easier to shoot. And then uh, for this game, I knew um, I wanted to have a bunch of mechanical devices. So I knew I'd be giving up flow in order to do that. So uh, I kind of tried to design these shots where they'll interact with the mechanical device yet still maintain some flow, which is actually a lot harder than it sounds. But um, so it's kind of an experiment by me. Hey, can I have these four mechanical devices in a game and still have a bunch of shot flow going on? So uh, I think it came out well. Uh, I don't have any complaints about how it shoots and how it interacts with the devices. So that was like really the challenge for me on this project. Uh, Iron Maiden. Wow, you go because I, I worked on that archer design for so long that uh, <laughs> George is like, yeah, okay, let's do this layout. When you got when I got hired, and I was like, oh, great, <laughs> I'm so sick of this layout. Um, but uh, yeah, we made some uh, geometry changes on it, which actually really helped it. Uh, and if anyone played Avenge, I mean uh, Archer when it was at uh, Expo, but yeah, you can tell it. You can totally tell the difference that geometry changes made were uh, Archer is a bit slower and a couple of, had a couple harder shots. I mean, I think, I think Maiden just came out perfect with the, the shot flow and uh, the, the range of, you know, easy, medium and uh, hard shots to make in that game. So like I said, if I try to take anything, I'll look at my previous games and it's like, okay, what do these all have in common? Okay. Well for my next game, I'm not going to do that. And you guys brought up the point. Um, all my games have a shot through the pops and none of my games have scoops. So I was actually fine for this game, having one pop and a scoop, you know, no shot through the pops. Um, so I, I knew, uh, I throw you guys all off with that one. <laughs> and I can't wait to play this game. Cause I think it'll be a, not a welcome change. Cause all, like all your games are, are, are a welcome change. I, f I feel like you've revamped the game from, from what it was even just a couple of years ago. Uh, it's definitely shaken things up. So. Thanks. Yeah. I... Um, so Expo is coming up. So are you going to be doing a presentation on this at Expo? And what are your plans during Expo? Are you playing in the tournament? Uh, I am not. My brother's in town. So I'm going to be playing host. I have a, uh, I'm doing a making of Godzilla seminar on Saturday. So I think that's going to be the only day I go there. Uh, but it should be fun. And since we completely did not do one on Avengers, uh, there'll actually be some stuff to talk about, uh, which is a lot more fun than when I was doing the making of Iron Maiden and it was my only game. So when we were done talking about Iron Maiden, I had to fill the air for another 20 minutes with, uh, pinball playing tips or whatnot, because I only had one game to talk about. So this should be a lot more fun. Uh, you know, people can ask, you know, whatever from whatever game I've done. So it, I no longer have to, uh, fill dead air with, uh, tournament questions. So we had someone submit a question. Uh, this is Josh S. from Chicago, Illinois. I don't know if you know him, but he wants to know, how do you feel to have only finished second place in majors three times while Josh Sharp has done it four times? And does it eat at you? Yeah, well, you know, we put a little tribute in all my games now. This Josh S. guy gets the default <laughs> second place score. You know, just It's just an ode to him, the master. Uh, yeah, and and uh, Greg Wacquarelli asked, "How does it feel to be goatee? Oh, um, hi, Greg. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're gonna play segment still for a second. If you were on a boat <laughs> oh with gosh. all four of your games, you could only save one. Which one would you save? Oh man, um, I." Or, or I guess the the first one to go over. That's what I want. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I can't. They're all my children. Um, I think Godzilla. Trust me, I can throw one of my kids over. I think sometimes. Godzilla has surpassed Jurassic Park to me as my my personal favorite. Um, wow, it's just wow. All right, it's just campy, old fashioned fun, and that's all you can ask for as a game designer is just to have creative freedom. He's like, hey, I want to do this, and the license is like, cool, go nuts. Um, it's, it's just the greatest feeling in the world. And um, 
I think it benefits both, you know, both the licensor and the, the, the game maker and the game designer. It's just, you know, let me do my thing and it's, this will be an amazing project. And uh, I think it shows in this game. I think it's just, it's super fun. Uh, I play it every day. And even though the, the worlds are, you know, maybe half, a little more than half done, I still have a blast playing it. Well, and I love the Camp T2 because it's like a throwback to the 90s. You know, this is what we, a lot of people love the 90s games because like Monster Bash was just campy fun. Same with, you know, A Virus Scared Stiff. And 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 Stern really hasn't been doing that lately, but with Elvira's House of Horrors, that seems like it, it went that away. But this just feels like it hits on those 90 notes as well. And, and a lot of those 80 games kind of kind of grew, we grew up with those as well. And they had the campy vibes. And I just, I really like that the Godzilla is kind of a throwback to that as well. Yeah, like I said, after watching the movies for the first time in you know decades, I was like, oh, I forgot how campy these were because you know I'm so used to the new Godzilla, which is dark and action, action, action. These these things are uh, <laughs> they're just they're masterpieces in, in their own right. Um, this whole movie on anti-bullying, uh, all monsters attack. It's it's just hilarious to watch now. And yeah. I was like, what am I going to do with these clips? And that's, that's when I came up with the whole ball save thing where Manila's getting bullied. And just, uh, so we took, we basically copied the subtitles as ball save, uh, ball save notes instead of, you know, ball saved or return to battle. We, we just copied whatever that section of the movie had. So hang in there. You can do it. Focus. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like <laughs> all these different ball save clips. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, I think we all had a fun time on this one. You also have the ability to play in Japanese mode or in English mode. So whose idea was that? Uh, it was actually the licensor. They were like, oh, hey, it'd oh, be cool, really cool. Because they, they're going to have it in Japan. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, they were like, hey, it'd really be cool if you guys can do this. And we're like, oh, yeah, I think we can. So um, uh, Rick saw that and he's like, great, more work to do. And then it turned out to be uh, uh, it. It really wasn't that bad. We, you know, we just uh, put a flag in there for which speech is in there. Uh, obviously, when you get a bunch of Japanese voice work and you had no idea what that call out is, so you know, we had we had to do a lot of Jerry Tom's had to do a lot of work to set all this up uh, to verify that this is the quote from you know for it's written on the line because we have no way to verify it. Right. And uh, those guys did a great job. Just all the legwork necessary to make that happen so did you have to have like a translator there to help or how, how did that work uh, so we sent english script to our, our vo guy and uh he sent it back with and he you know he made the corrections hey you know this doesn't translate well so i did the best i could and you know some of it was you know slightly different so we had to figure out okay this must be for this call out this must be for this call out so uh, like I said, it was a lot of work, uh, Jerry Thompson, Rick Nagel to, um, figure all that out and get everything in the right place. And hopefully it is, like I said, I, it, we may have some totally wrong call-outs in there and not know it. So <laughs> hopefully someone will let us know if that's true. Well, I, I'm sure it'd be hilarious though. Like, have you ever gone to like, when I travel and I go and I, I, obviously I don't speak the, the native language I'm going to, but it is interesting when I see when they try to, to translate to, uh, to English, but I'm sure that it would probably give the Japanese people a chuckle when it looks like uh, what Americans are trying to translate into Japanese. Yeah, yeah, it's our it's our uh, so. our version of bad dubs back at them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so what what time is your seminar on Saturday? Um, I think know? it's after dinner. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Yeah, I've been so busy. So we'll, like, we'll get a crowd for you there. I've been so busy on the line. Um, like these past two days, I'm in my first two days off in a month. So it, it just feels great. <laughs> just kind of shut my brain off and not think about that stuff. But I, I believe uh, we are the last talk uh, Saturday night after dinner. Oh, you're the keynote talk. I think so. Yeah. It's probably like the the month up to a, a release and a month after release is probably the, the busiest time you have in, in the whole development cycle, right? Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, my poor programmer, Rick, I don't think he's taken a vacation in years. So uh, I think uh, I have no, I have no right to complain because he's the one under the gun to, 
hey, this has to show well on the stream. Hey, this has to have no bugs when we release. Hey, this, you know, uh, I can't imagine that the stress he's under and sleepless nights. So uh, for me, me waking up early and going to the factory, I can't complain because uh, I know <laughs> I know that's nothing compared to what he's going through. Well, and honestly, his his work is amazing. Like I said, I, I've played plenty of Stern games. They're all fantastic. But I feel like Rick does a good job, too. You don't find like a consistent bug. Um, there's some games that, like I own Turtles and I love Turtles, but it always seems like uh, there there might be a bug or something after the update. Like the current one right now is Final Battle for some other reason. The audio is not there when you get there. But like I, I haven't found that with um, any any of the Rick Ankle games that he's done for you. And so, I mean, next time you see him, tell him great job. Cause I, I know you probably tell him enough as is, but I mean, like it's definitely showing in the work that he does too. Oh yeah, he, he's. As far as programmer goes, he he's very competent. I can, hey, I want this to do that and this, and then he'll like, <clears throat> okay, no problem, and then uh, it'll eventually get implemented. And he'll like, yeah, that was really hard to do, but um, it's working the way you want it to. And I was like, oh, you should have said something. I could have done it differently. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's very good at figuring out what I want, how I want it done, and uh, making it happen. It's, it's same with Harrison too. I know the game designer gets all the credit, but uh, it's a team effort for sure. Uh, you know, Jerry got all this, all the great original music in there. Harrison got those mechs working perfectly. Rick's code obviously speaks for itself. So um, it's a whole team effort. And I, I, Zombie Eddie always knocks it out of the park. I know we love that saying, but his artwork, it astounds me. I know, I know this, I don't know why, but some people complain of colors and yada, yada, yada. It's like, I think it looks fantastic. Well, so I don't think what people keep in mind is, um, the licensor wanted you know what the licensor wants the licensor gets it's you know yeah. we're not going to tell them what to do so yeah. that's the direction they, they wanted for this and that's that's how it goes um uh, it, it's funny to hear that oh that's this this isn't that this isn't accurate it was like well it's what they wanted <laughs> well it, it certainly catches your eye when you see it and that's that's certainly what you want especially in pinball where it's fighting for floor space from uh, the raw thrills games yeah. that look like a, a skittles explosion and like i said that this whole thing that from the beginning you know toho's like yeah you know let's, let's make this great campy game and it's like you know you don't have campy games with dark gritty artwork it, it doesn't make sense so uh this is the direction we went this is the direction they wanted us to go and i'm i would not change a thing well and i think oftentimes people forget too because uh, I, I don't want to say I criticize, but I brought up the point on the last episode, like when you guys did the reveal trailers, typically you do like a, a, a reveal trailer and then you do like a pro premium features and stuff like that. And I was like, where though was that? And someone had reached out and said, Josh, you, you realize like sometimes our hands are tied and we have to wait. And I think we forget that being on the outside is, is as he had put it to me is sometime, you know, you guys need the licensor and, and you never want to get that message saying like, like you didn't do what we asked you to. We don't want to do, deal with you guys again. And so it's, it's a fine balance of what to do as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Toho has been great to work with. And, uh, but there's, there's more than one entity making up Toho. So, you know, you just don't sign off with one person. You're signing off with multiple people. So uh, obviously that creates delays and that's, that was what happened in this case. So uh, that's, that's all that was. I think it's good to wait till you get everything right, though, because it, it it it's clumsy when it seems like you you announce something and then it, you have to walk it back. And we've seen other games that have announced too soon and then had to walk things back, and it, it didn't. You know, it, it became awkward for them. And I, I like that you guys wait till it's dialed in before it's all set out. So, I mean, if we're up to me, we would just blindly show the stream when it was ready to stream, and then we'd release all the promotional stuff. So. That's it. That's it. We're up to me. Obviously, it's not, but uh, it'd just be fun organically discover this game because that's how we used to do it. You know, eighties and nineties, we'd walk into an arcade. Oh, look, a whole a new game. There's no internet, so you didn't know this game was coming. You just yeah. discover it organically, and you start pumping your money in it. And it's like, yeah, I think that's that's kind of lost today in the uh, the internet age where you just you know what's coming. Uh, you've seen pictures, you've seen gameplay before you even play. Your mind's probably already made up. So, uh, you know kind of miss those days but i know they're never coming back well and that's why you, i assume that's why you kind of keep some mystery too as well when you're streaming and stuff like that 
I know that other developers and, and, and whatnot might actually go through the whole co code set, but it's kind of like explore with us. We're not going to tell you everything because we want you to explore it for yourself. As yeah. Well. Yeah. I so. think for, uh, for Iron Maiden, I think I took the glass off and, uh, you know, started shooting shots and make, making all the, the modes. And I remember I went back and rewatched that and I was like, this is boring. I'd rather just play it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's how I've approached my streams ever since. And, uh, I've, honestly, I haven't heard any complaints, so I'll probably continue to do that. Yeah, Zach told us that after the stream, the orders went up, which he said is a little unusual. And so um, I rewatched the stream today, and yes, it it seemed like you guys were having fun. And my daughter walked up and she looked at that, at the game, and she's six, and she said that game looks yeah. fun. <laughs> so I, well, I, I'm just saying that's a good thing, right? You don't want someone looking like I don't understand what's going on. She just said that looks yeah. fun. So I, remember I, I, Jack was Jack approached me and he's like, "Oh, what do you want to do for the stream?" And I was like. I want the music loud. We're not going to talk. Just put the music on loud so we can get some energy in the room. Because sometimes, you know, during the streams, we had the, the volume turned either all the way down or it's direct audio where the people in the room can't hear it at all. I was like, I don't want that. Uh, I don't want to look bored. Yeah. Let's, let's get some energy in the room. Uh, just don't capture the audio directly. Just put a microphone by us. It'll pick up what it picks up. And uh, I think it worked fine. Are you, are you tired of hearing Blue Oyster Colts Godzilla now, though? Oh... No, but I think the line workers are because they have to they have to test the speakers in order to do that. They turn the volume all the way up. And of course, that's the default volume change song. So they're probably pretty sick of it. Uh, I'm not there yet, but <laughs> well, ask me again in uh, three months. So I, I did look at the schedule and uh, on the schedule, you are set at seven o'clock and followed by Dwight with Family Feud. So you are definitely in the evening oh, okay. on uh, Saturday. Well, I nice. guess I better eat first. Well, it's always a party with Dwight, right? So <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting to do family. What, what's it called? Feud without the family, right? Feud without yeah. the family, which I don't even know if that's a feud. I mean, <laughs> you got any recommendations? So this is my first time to Expo, Keith. You got any recommendations for anyone that's going for their first time to Expo? Well, you know, not really, because it's in a whole new venue this year. I don't even know where it's at. So, uh, before I could say, oh yeah, you know, they, there's these places to eat, these places to avoid, but I, I haven't even looked to see where this uh, new venue's at. So, uh, I think it's actually down by by Stern's headquarters, if I remember correctly. It's only a couple, I want to say, maybe five, ten blocks away. I think it's in Schaumburg, which close, is actually yeah. a pretty populated uh, suburb. So, uh, there's definitely the mall. Uh, we got a pretty big mall out there with a uh, arcade and Antarium Arcade which has a lot of new games. So it's that's definitely worth checking out if you're in the area. Yeah, I, I'm flying in Wednesday night, so I, I'm looking to do something on Wednesday night. Yeah, so. I, I, I don't spend a lot of time in Schaumburg, so I have no recommendations, but um, <laughs> it's definitely yeah. much more convenient than the old location, that's for sure. I got to know, though, I, I don't think you talked about this on Final Round. If you did have to choose between Teolis and, and uh, Martin, who would you be throwing over the boat? I kind of like Marty for his, his candor. He was just like, I'm not impressed with any of these mechs. I was like, okay, yeah, that's another industry guy talking. So uh, I got to keep him. He's <laughs> honest with me. I, I, I would toss Teolis over. All right. I, I'm, I'm just wondering what, does it change with the level of gin that's going through Martin's veins? <laughs> Cause I, I think the fil the filter goes as the gin goes up. Yeah. Yeah. Teolis is Teolis no matter what, but yeah. Marty's the wild card. Yeah. Well, cool. I don't have any other questions. Do you have any more questions, Scott? No, I think that's good. That's uh, we we have taken a, a an hour of Keith's time, and we appreciate him coming on. We so. do appreciate. And the Bears it. are winning, so it's uh, it's a win win. Well, maybe chuckle is uh, we. You know how many emails and messages we've received in the last month of when is when's Keith Elwin coming on? Why haven't we heard a Keith Elwin interview yet? <laughs> <laughs> Like guys, we don't we don't usually have him on directly, you know, as as soon as possible. But uh, it just made me yeah, chuckle. He's busy before and after. Yes, you got to catch him at the right time. Yeah. But even like Raymond Davidson's like, where's Keith at? I'm surprised he's not on the show yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith is finally starting to get some days off again, and he can do these shows again. You and you've definitely you deserved some days off. You you've earned them. So. Well, thank you. All right, Josh, you want to send us out? Yeah, I'll definitely do the send off. If you want to get a hold of us, we are loserkidpinballpodcast at gmail.com. 
If you're looking for us on the socials, we are at Loser Kid Pinball on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we do have Twitch going on as well whenever I feel like it. So I record like three times in one week and then nothing for a month. So whatever works. Uh, if you do want to get a hold of us, we we do have some hats. Uh, we have a couple different, not designs, but different colors we're going to be bringing to Expo, um, but not a ton. So if you if you want a guaranteed hat or a shirt or a beanie, anything of that nature, you need to get the order in like today. And so if you want us to bring it to Expo, if not, we can ship it to you later. So other than that, what do you got for me, Scott? Uh, Josh, what's your inside, insider profile? Oh, loser. It's just loser kid. I stole it. Someone's like, that's not very nice. Did you guys arm wrestle for it? Yeah, I know. He just grabbed on it. So I, I, I keep trying to sign up, but I forgot my login for Stern. So I've been trying to reset my password for three days. Uh, so I will be loser kid two, ah. uh, the number two. <laughs> uh, and Keith, uh, if people want to follow you, what is your uh, KME Stern, I think. Wow, I, I don't remember. I don't think your 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 profile is public because it was. I oh. found out that if you just typed in Stern and you looked under connections, it seemed like everyone at Stern was Stern dash, you know, Rayday or Stern dash, you know, Rick, and so. Yeah, the, like, Stern, the Stern employees had the designation of Stern in theirs. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just uh, Stern dash KME KME seventy one okay. something like that. All right, well check it out and uh, let us know if you can find Keith. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can make it a whole challenge. Find Keith. There you go. Exactly. Find, where, where's Keith? So. You, you can yeah. even unlock the achievement once you found Keith. But where in the world is Keith? <laughs> <laughs> cool, Keith. We really appreciate having you on. It's always fun having you on, and uh, we we wish you well. We hopefully you'll see you here in a couple weeks at Expo. Yeah, thanks, Keith. All right, yeah, good to, good to talk to you. Shut up and sit down.